So I want to welcome all of our campuses, as well as our online viewers. I'm glad that you guys are with us as we continue our series that we started last week. If you're new, if I didn't mention it, my name is Jeremy. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, last week we began this series you see behind me, Church in 3D, which is really about our vision statement as a church, which is to lead people to discover, develop, and display full devotion to Jesus Christ. And I'm excited about the series for two reasons. And I know we got some new people here today at this campus and probably at the other campuses. It's a great series for you to get to know our church, uh, why we exist and, and how we do church, kind of our approach to ministry. And then if you're not new to church and you've been coming to Crosstown for a while, you know this vision statement. It's a good refresher for you to understand why we do what we do and how we do what we do here at Crosstown. And uh, it's really a series to help all of us, you and I, not only represent Jesus, but also resemble Jesus. If we're going to be followers, we want to look more and more like Jesus. And so last week, we talked about this idea of discovering a relationship with Jesus, a life-giving relationship with Jesus, not just knowing about a religion, Right? I can tell you a lot about different people and actors and athletes, but I don't know them. I, I want to know Jesus, not just know about Jesus. And so that was last week. This week, we're going to talk about developing, and specifically developing to lifelong learners and lifelong followers of Jesus. Um, many of you know this, kind of my second office is uh, Panera Bread. So if you ever want to catch me during the week, I'm probably at Panera Bread. Uh, not eating a lot of bread, but I do drink a lot of coffee there and some, uh, some charged lemonade. That's my favorite. And uh, while I'm there, I, I often meet quite a few people. And uh, one day, this was recently, and I see him almost every week. I'm having, I have my Bible open. I'm studying. I'm reading. And this older gentleman comes in. He's like, hey, you're, you're a believer too. And we get into this great conversation. I learned that he's a, a member at a different church here in town. And every single week, he meets this other gentleman at Panera Bread, and they sit down and they study God's word together. They learn and they grow, not just for themselves. This is the cool part about it. They plan and prepare their Sunday school lesson that they lead fourth and fifth graders to know more about Jesus. And they're intentional about learning, growing, so that they can pass their faith on to other people. I love that. I love that. And this guy, older gentleman, he has been following Jesus for decades. And he wants to continue to grow, not just for him, but he can pass it on to the next generation. That's what God wants for all of us. The way that we grow to maturity is often not only in isolation, although God does use that, but he does it oftentimes through community, through other people. And so in this community of people, I want to challenge us with a message from Luke chapter 8 to help us take some inventory of our hearts today. Like, where are you at in your relationship with God? Where do you need to go on to maturity? And uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me there, or you can follow along on the screen. And I want to preach this message so that we can become more mature in our faith, so that we can grow into lifelong learners and followers of Jesus. Now, this is a, um, a parable. A parable is an, an earthly story with a spiritual meaning that Jesus shares to this crowd of people who had all kinds of people, like devoted people, and maybe some people who are just checking it out. And so I'm hoping that, that God would have something for you in this story today as well as you lean into Scripture. And so here's what the Bible says. It says, and when a great crowd was gathered, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, and here's the parable, a sower went out to sow 
his seed. Okay, so there's a farmer, he's got some seed, and he's just kind of casting it to the ground, hoping some of it will produce some fruit. And it says, and he's, as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and thorns grew up with it and choked it out. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out to the crowd, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 8, he's, he's casting this message out to everybody, and he's wondering who's going to lean in and say, I, God's calling me to learn something more about this. Now, keep in mind, in this crowd, there, there's some some people that were all over the spectrum, but, but some of these people were the leaders, and they were very, very smart people. In other words, they knew all they need, they, they, they knew all there was to know except the one thing that actually mattered. Okay? They knew a lot of different things, they knew what they were supposed to do, but they failed to do it. So Jesus tells them these stories to get them to connect at the heart level and not just have more head knowledge. Okay? Then he says this in verse 9. Verse 9, and when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. All that to say, like, if you, you've got to want it. Like, Jesus is giving you some good stuff. You've got to want it. And if you do, you'll lean in to try to learn more about this, right? And then he says, now this parable, now the parable is this, and he goes on to explain what this parable means to his disciples. And he says, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. So he goes on to explain that there's four um, paths or four grounds, four soils that this seed, which is the word of God, is being sown into. And so I'm going to say that these paths, this, this ground is more like our heart. Right? It's the word of God, the seed is sown to you as individuals. There's four types of soils that receive or hearts that receive the word of God. And so my outline is pretty simple. We're going to talk about these four soils, four hearts to help you grow in your faith, to become more mature, to become lifelong learners and followers of Jesus. And so here's the first path that you're going to see in this parable. It's the hardened path. I would say it's a, it's a distracted heart. Hardened path, a hardened heart is a distracted heart. Look at what Jesus says in verse 12. He says, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. These are people, when the gospel's preached, the Bible's taught, maybe it's through a video, maybe it's through a preacher, maybe it's through a friend, a word of encouragement, maybe you read a devotional, you're hearing God's word, but you're so distracted by the things of this world that when the seed is thrown, it's like your heart is concrete and it just bounces right off of it. It won't take any root whatsoever. Why? Because you're so distracted by other things that you think are more important. And here's what I want you to notice. Jesus says that that process of the seed not getting in here is actually the work of our enemy. The Bible says the devil. The Bible describes the devil as a thief. And so what the thief wants to do is snatch that seed before it ever has an opportunity to get into your heart. And he does so by distracting you. He's the, he's the great distractor of our souls. And so 
This is what exactly Paul, this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Check this out. The apostle Paul, who we studied um, in the book of Ephesians, he writes another letter to the Corinthians. He says, in their case, and he uses this phrase, the God, lowercase g. So this is not our God. This is, this is he's referring to the prince of the air, the, the, the enemy, the devil. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Listen, church, we live in a culture where the enemy is working overtime to keep people from receiving this word, and he does so by distraction. It reminded me of what C.S. Lewis, great, great Christian author and theologian, he said in his book, The Screwtape Letters. And if you haven't read that before, I'd encourage you to read it. But he's, he's writing in the sense of a, a, a demon training a younger demon how to keep people from knowing God. And he says, you don't need to make them bad. You just have to make them busy. That's what... That's what Satan wants to do. And that's what oftentimes keeps us from receiving God's word because we're so oblivious to the things of God because we're just so distracted by the things of this world. We don't want to be that soil. That's the first one he points out. The second, the second path, the second soil is the rocky path. Or, or I would say it's, it's the flaky heart. Um, put it in church terms, it's kind of like the, the sporadic attender you know, at church where one Sunday you're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I want to come here and hear God's word and uh, sing songs together with God's people. And then things happen in life and you kind of just ebb and flow with how you feel. And that'll determine your engagement with the body of Christ as well as the Bible and your own spiritual life. Jesus says this in verse 13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these people have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. Uh, these are people who hear God's word, receive it with joy. They get excited for a season, but then something happens in their life, like life. <laughs> like, you know, we've done so many baptisms where people get baptized, they're so excited, and then sometimes the people are just like, you never see them again. And what happened? They, they, they thought that perhaps by going through this spiritual experience called baptism, that something magical was going to change in their life and everything was going to get fixed. And it doesn't happen that way. In fact, it's usually the opposite. Usually experience trials and you go through things that are going to test your faith. And it's the people that endure, right? But these people that Jesus is talking about, the ones that are in the rocky ground, right? The rocky heart, the, 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 the flaky type of heart, get excited, but they don't endure, and the reason why they don't endure is because they're not rooted. They're not, they're not rooted at all. And so when storms come, rather than doing what Paul says, which in Ephesians 4, he says, be rooted and grounded in love, they get blown away. They get blown away. And that's the second path, the second heart that Jesus warns us about. And then the third is this, the thorns, which I would call this a divided heart. In other words, it's a person who is in and of this world. They want to be like one foot in in Christianity and one foot out. I'd like to experience the best of both worlds. And Jesus warns us about this in verse 14. Check this out. Verse 14 says, And as far as what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Um, again, this is kind of goes along with number one, but it's a person that's so enamored with the things of this world 
that it chokes the life out of them. It's the person who may know the importance of spiritual disciplines, uh, may know the importance of biblical community. Their schedule is so full that they can't participate in the things that will give them life. Uh, It's the person that does everything they can to become an expert in the field or their work or their career and is perfectly content with being an amateur in their faith. They just want to go through the motions and make much of this world. And Jesus says, when you do that, you're getting choked out by the thorns of this world. What are those thorns that choke the life out of us? I'll give you a few examples. Maybe you can relate because I know I can. Uh, How about work? That's a thorn. Uh, sometimes it's a thorn in our side, right? But uh, worldly ambition. Sometimes we pursue hobbies and sports, and those are thorns that, that, that take the, the passion that we have for Jesus and dilute it and to, to defer it to something else. Or shopping, or TV, video games for young people. Laziness, which probably go hand in hand. Uh, materialism, right? And, and notice out of this list, church, that not all of these are bad things. Like, I, I like work. I really do like my work, and uh, I have hobbies. I enjoy basketball, sports, like people like shopping. You got to do some shopping from time to time. Laziness is probably bad. But not all these things are bad, but they become bad when you elevate even a good thing over God. That's what makes it bad. When Jesus isn't first place in your life, and he's just on your list, but he isn't the list. He's just on your list, but he's not the top of the list. He's, not, he's just not at the center of your whole life where everything revolves. That's where the thorns come in and steal your heart's affection away from Jesus. Jesus warns us about this. I heard a great podcast this past week uh, from a pastor who kind of leads other pastors, and he was trying to help us um, think through how evaluated experience is the best way to start your year, to look back before you go forward and to learn from what could have been, learn from your mistakes, learn from what went well before you go into another year. And he had this great line. He, he used the first four lines of the Bible, which, do you know what that is? Shout it out if you know it. In the... <clears throat> One more. God. In the beginning, God. Which obviously refers to God creating the heavens and the earth, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But it's a great principle for our life. Every single day, before the phone turns on, before you check Facebook, before you check the news, before you do anything, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, before I participate in any of this, My life has got to be about God. Otherwise, my heart can be divided. I have to protect that. And so the people that Jesus is talking about, what's interesting, the first three, they actually hear. All of them hear. But they were distracted. They were too enticed by the things of this world. And therefore, they became sporadic. They were divided. They were distracted. And Jesus says, you don't want any of those three. You want this next one. Number four is the good soil, which I would say is the faithful and fruitful follower. The faithful and fruitful follower. Uh, Verse 15 of Luke 8 says this, As for that in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Jesus said this is the good soil. This is the good Heart Specifically, it's those who hear the word, hold it fast with an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Jesus says that 
is what we want to be. We want to be honest, good, faithful, multiplying servants of God. And I think what Jesus is saying here is this, that the outcome of our faith is not merely that we're saved from hell, it's that we bear fruit. And that might be revolutionary for some of you to think about. When you think about the gospel or Christianity, the Bible, you think, well, it's a, I got to believe because I don't want to go to hell. That's part of it. But here's what God really wants you to understand. It's not just about being saved from hell. It's about bearing fruit. That's what That's what Jesus teaches us, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And so when the Bible speaks of fruit, you might want to know what that means. When the Bible speaks of fruit, it's really talking about two things primarily. Uh, The first thing it speaks about when it talks about fruit is the Holy Spirit's work within us. Meaning, as if you're a believer, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a byproduct of staying in step with the Spirit, being in relationship with God. Paul talks about this in the book of Galatians in the New Testament. If you read chapter 5, he describes a list of characteristics that represent the works of the flesh. Meaning if you are divided in your heart and you pursue the world, you're going to do the things the world's way and you're going to look like the world. But if you're staying in step with the Spirit, there's a byproduct of that. There's a working, there's a fruit of the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You've heard of these things. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But there's a second fruit that I think the Bible speaks of, and that is people. People. Being or bearing fruit is seeing our faith multiply as we invest in other people. Here's what it is it's noticing other people along the path and investing in them so much, caring about them so much because you want them to discover, develop, and display full devotion to Jesus Christ just like you have. With the hopes that maybe as they discover, develop, and display full devotion to Jesus Christ, that they would lead other people to do that as well. Um, and we believe at Crosstown there's, there's two great ways to do this, to, to, to have a good heart and to bear fruit. And here's how I would say it. Two ways to bear fruit. Number one is spiritual disciplines, like self-feeding, you know. Um, think about it this way. If you go home after church, you have a good meal at lunch, watch the Bills game, maybe get some pizza and wings, but that's the only meal that you have for the whole week. You're going to have to eat a whole lot of chicken wings, people, to make it to next Sunday, Right? You wouldn't do that. You would be malnourished. You, you wouldn't have the nutrients and the energy, the strength to sustain yourself for, for another week. But yet, uh, all the time we do that. Like, for, for, those, for, those, for people who are not self-feeding, we do that all the time. We come to Sunday, come to service, get fed. Oh, I'm stuffed, right? But you're still going to be malnourished when it comes to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when you get attacked. You need to be in relationship with the Lord every single day. And that's self-feeding. That's through your quiet time. That's through spending time with the Lord in prayer, like we're doing over these next 21 days or minus the, the eight days, right? You spend time with him in prayer, in his word, and that's how we grow. It's part of how we grow and bear fruit in our own individual lives. But there's a second way we do this, and that is through small groups, or we could say biblical community, biblical community. You know, it's been said that Christians are far educated beyond their level of obedience. And I think there's some truth to that. Uh, And of course, we want Christians who are strong, rooted, deep, knowledgeable about God's word. And the way you do that is by um, learning and, and, and growing. But, and there's a big but here, 
when we have so much information with so little application, you know what that leads to? Stagnation. Like there's no outflow from your life. You have a lot of knowledge, but no outflow, and it just leads to stagnated faith. The way that Paul says it is that knowledge puffs up. It puffs up like a balloon, and it has no outlet, and so it just becomes very deflated. If it doesn't have an outlet towards other people, that's not the type of faith that we're looking for. The information we learn and the knowledge we obtain was never meant to stay with us. It was always meant to flow out to other people in love. We love God, and we love other people. Um, I, I think this is... This is really important in the context of biblical community. One of the best environments to do that, to live it out, is with other people. So this past fall, I went on a a little retreat with some pastor friends of mine who I've known for uh, over a decade now. And uh, we, we planned it, just kind of encourage each other. We each were responsible to provide two lessons to train each other, iron sharpen iron. But we had a lot of laughs too. Like we had a lot of fellowship. We had a lot of fun together. We went out to dinner every night. And uh, one dinner I, I'll never forget, we go out to this uh, restaurant slash bar, little hole in the wall restaurant, very small. And as you walk in, you have to pass the bar. And at the bar, no joke, there's probably like 15 guys there. Uh, having a dandy old time, right? And uh, they're, they're enjoying their time together, drinking probably a little bit too much alcohol. And we go through to the restaurant side and we sit down at this little table and we're the only ones in the restaurant. We order chicken wings and of course, and we start having, you know, fun and sharing stories. And all of a sudden this guy from the bar side comes over to us. This is the end of our meal. And he starts asking questions, you know, about, you know, what we're doing, you know, type of trip. And he tells us that he's on this hunting trip with his friends. And, uh, but then he says, but I'm really going through a rough time. Through that conversation, he learned that uh, we were pastors. And then he really started to open up. I mean, he's just bearing his soul. He, he shared with us that his wife um, recently cheated on him. Um, that his home was a mess. And his life was a wreck. And he's bawling. And I just leaned over and I say, hey, can, can we pray for you? Like, we're pastors. That's what we do. So can we, can we pray for you? And he said, yeah, sure. And we, we had this beautiful moment of prayer for him. And I'll never forget what he said after he said, I almost feel like you walked into this bar for a reason. Like God had you here for a reason that night. And I walked away from that moment thinking, there is so much power in a biblical community of people who, who live this out, right? Who, who care for one another, encourage one another, but then it flows out from their life to help and bless other people as we just do life within the context of community. Um, so, so important. I, and that's what I want for you. That's what I want for our church. The way that I describe our vision statement, you know, to lead people, discover, develop, and display that, that second D, I always say this. We want to lead people to develop meaningful relationships, meaningful friendships within the church while growing towards Christ-like maturity. That's what we want. It's for every single one of us to be in relationship, not with all of us. I mean, that's not really possible. But for some of us, can be plugged into each other to the point where we care for one another 
and help encourage one another to grow spiritually closer to Jesus through Bible study, through prayer, through, through fellowship. And so as we close, I want to just kind of give our church a, a few application points to consider as we desire to become more mature followers of Christ, to desire to have a good heart, to become lifelong learners and followers of him. And, uh, and I understand, I understand that God is ultimately the one that cultivates the heart. Uh, we can't change someone's heart. But I also am reminded that we are to be active participants in this as well. And so my hope is that these three would, would help you in your spiritual walk. Number one is this, here's what I'll say. You need to clear out the junk that keeps you from growing. There's a lot of people with great intention. I want to be really closer to God this year. This may be, may be one of your New Year's resolutions. I want, to, I want to grow in my faith. I want to read the Bible more. But you've got like a junk drawer that's keeping you from growing that God is calling you to, to weed out, to, to, to literally take um, sin that's in your life that's keeping you from him and removing it, literally doing what Hebrews chapter 12 talks about, the sin that so easily entangles us. What are we to do with it? Throw it out. Take it off. Because otherwise it's going to trip you up and keep you from growing in your relationship with God. Uh, others of you, it might not be some like horrible sin, but it's a horrible rhythm and pattern to your life where you've so filled your life with other things that are not of God that you don't have any time to even listen to God or hear from God. And maybe God, through this message would help you weed out the junk that is just the, the busyness of your life. And one of the things that we desire for this 21 days of prayer and fasting is that we all slow down, maybe unplug or get rid of some things, maybe food or entertainment or something that's preventing you from hearing from the Lord and being intentional with your time of prayer and fasting. And so we do that individually, but I don't know if you know this, every Wednesday during these 21 days of prayer and fasting, and then in, on Sunday morning, we did this here at the Greece campus, all of our other campuses did it this morning as well. We invited the church to corporately gather together before church as well on, on Wednesday evening and pray together, not only through our prayer sheets, but also for each other. It was a beautiful time of prayer. Like we had a great time on Wednesday and we had a great time this morning, didn't we not, Pastor Levi, Right. Wouldn't you wish you had more people here? Absolutely. And, I'm, and I know the other campus pastors feel the same way. I get it that not everyone's going to be able to come every single time. But our heart's desire is that more of us would, would carve out time, clear out junk, carve out time so that we can hear from the Lord. And let's do it collectively, collaboratively together. So 6 o'clock at most of the campuses on Wednesday nights. I believe it's 6.30 at the Arcade Campus this Wednesday I'd invite you out for that. That might be a good way for you to participate in this. Number two. Number two is um, I would encourage you to make God's word a priority in your life. I, I love the phrase from Jesus, holding fast to the word. Holding fast to the word. And I would add especially, especially in the context of a biblical community. So here's my, um, my plug for small groups uh, for you. Uh, small groups are what we do on our weekly basis where people join together in groups of like 8 to 12 people to study the Bible, to pray, and to fellowship with one another. I think it's a great way. It's one of the best ways to learn and live out the Bible. It's a great environment for you to hear other people's stories and for you to share your story for you to be encouraged by them and for them to be encouraged by you. Um, when I think about my own spiritual journey, and this might be true for, for you as well, the times that I've grown the most in my life 
also doubled as the times where I was in fellowship with other people who were spurring me on. When I've isolated myself were not the times where I grew spiritually. In fact, I usually went the opposite way. There's a correlation there, I think. So I've been in small groups for, for years. That's one way. Another way that I've grown through relationships is through a mentor pouring into my life and keeping me accountable. I've, I have prayer partners and accountability partners that I meet with once a month. In community, I think I'm absolutely convinced that that is how God grows us, right? Here's the danger in the, in the culture in which we live. You have more access to biblical knowledge and information than ever before. Uh, I've got my, 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 my office is full of commentaries. You can get on YouTube and find all different sorts of content for uh, commentaries, for studies, for all, all sorts of things. And you can learn a lot about God on your own. And that's dangerous. That is not how God has designed. That, that's not what you see in the Bible. The way you, the way you grow and learn in the, according to the Bible is when you're around other people. When you're studying the scriptures together with other people, you cannot isolate yourself. It's got to be connected to community. Um, the other way that we make God's... Uh, well, let me, let me back up just so you understand how this works. Um, each of you at all of our campuses will have received a brochure. Uh, you can pick it up on your way out. Maybe they were in the seats or people handed them to you or maybe that's their information wall. Uh, in this brochure, it's a small group brochure and it lists the studies available, uh, when they meet, who's leading it, what you're studying, if there's childcare available, if there's food, all the important questions, right? And you'll have an opportunity, whether in person or online, to sign up for a small group. Here's what I would ask you to do. No, there's no guilt because you don't, you don't need to be in a small group program to be in biblical community. You could actually have people that you're in fellowship with outside of our church that are Christians or a prayer partner. But I think from a pure practical point of view to make sure that the, the congregation is cared for and that we're in fellowship with one, another, with one another, small groups are a great way to do this. And so what I would ask you to do, church, is prayerfully consider if one of these groups works with your schedule, maybe you can go the extra mile and carve out time for this schedule and get in fellowship with, with one another. And uh, it lasts 14 weeks. We start February 5th and the third week of May. And uh, it's short. Then we take a break over the summer and start back up in the fall. Uh, it's a great way for you to, to get plugged into community. So that's one way. The other way is through studying scripture. Making God's word a priority in your personal life and in your family by studying scripture together. Uh, you, you need the where, the what, the when. The where, the what, the when. Uh, I can give you the what. You got to pick out the where and the when. Like, I'm not coming to your house at 6 in the morning and knocking on your door. and Okay, like, we're not doing that. But I can give you the what. And the what, here's, here's what I would recommend. In two weeks, we're starting a brand new series on the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we're calling it Luke Season 2. Okay, Luke Season 2, because we did Luke last year. And we preached from Luke Chapter 1 through Luke Chapter 15. So we're going to pick up in January, in January 22nd, uh, in Luke Chapter 16. And I would encourage you to get the Gospel of Luke in your hands and start reading it. I'm going to preach one chapter a week, and you can read that chapter in preparation for that Sunday's sermon. And we'll go all the way through Easter. You will get a great glimpse of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus all the way up to Easter. It would be a great place to start. That's the what. But there is no replacement for opening up the Word of God and getting into it and studying it for yourself. 
And it doesn't need to be complicated. When I was 16 years old and I got saved, my mentor, who was an earth science teacher, gave me a Bible, and I just started reading it. No study notes whatsoever. I had so many questions, but you know what I had? I had a person that I could go to and ask questions about the Bible. That's how I grew. I read, he taught, I learned, I read, he taught, I learned. That's, that's how it works, but there's no replacement for getting into God's word, I would encourage our church, if this is not a priority in your life now, make it a priority so that you can grow and be a lifelong learner and follower of Jesus. And then the third one I have as we wrap up is uh, bear fruit with patience. This is a direct quote from Jesus from the text that we just read. You need to bear fruit with patience. Here's what Jesus is talking about, faithfulness. Faithfulness and patience go hand in hand. Um, to borrow a phrase from Eugene Peterson, the author of the, the message translation, he says that faithfulness is long obedience in the same direction. And for you, whether you're 10 years old or 50 years old and the remaining time left that you have in this life, for you to be having long obedience in the same direction for the rest of your life, it requires a lot of patience. Uh, patience with people, <laughs> A lot of forgiveness, patience with yourself, patience to keep putting one foot in front of the other day after day to make the right decision and say, I'm showing up. I'm sh I don't feel like it, I'm showing up. Isn't that adulthood, right? You know, I don't feel like it, but I'm going I'm to be an adult today. I'm going to be mature today. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. I'm going to show up for God. I'm going to run my race. I'm going to stay connected to the vine, staying in step with the Spirit. I'm getting into His Word. You got to keep being faithful and being faithful is being patient. So when it comes to the Bible, some I've heard this before. People will say, well, I've read the Bible. I didn't get anything out of it. Try again. Be patient. Keep coming to the table. Keep showing up. I've tried small groups before. There was one weird person in that group. I don't want to go back. I've heard it, right? Be patient. That's why we do semester base. You can quit that group and join another group. Be patient. Try it again. Keep showing up. We have a race to run. We need to endure and be faithful followers of Jesus. So in summary, clear out the junk. Clear out the junk, church. Make the Bible a priority, both in biblical community and in your own spiritual disciplines. And then finally, bear fruit. Bear fruit with patience. This is who God has called us to be. This is what God has called us to be because, and here's why, we want a good heart with good soil. We want to be faithful and fruitful followers of Jesus. I'm absolutely convinced that happens best through spiritual formation, both individually but also corporately. To be the church that God desires us to be, we need, all of us, we need to develop meaningful relationships with one another while growing towards Christ-like maturity. I'm going to invite our um, worship teams to come on up as we close our time in, in song and prayer. Lord, thank you so much for um, your word. Thank you for revealing your word to us today. Jesus, you spoke in parables, and not everybody got it, but through your spirit, we're able to get it, and we're able to understand that... Um, your word is seed that is sown into our life, and all of us desire to posture ourselves with humility, to receive it with gladness and joy and celebration, but also allow, not, allow it to not be wasted. I pray that it would accomplish its purpose that you've designed.
for us, no matter where we're at in our own spiritual walk with you, that um, we would receive it with gladness and it would transform us. Lord, we want to be people who a decade from now or 20 years from now or 30 years from now are still walking with you faithfully. And so we need your, your sustaining presence in our life when we go through trials. I pray that you would give your people grace to keep showing up, keep doing the right thing. We love you, Jesus. Would you please forgive us of when we fall short? Would you have mercy on your church, Lord? We want to please you in everything that we do. These next few moments, we don't want to just sing another song or say words with our mouths. We want to please you. We want to honor you. And so would you please show up in this moment and be blessed. And it's in Jesus' name we ask this. Amen.